If you have a Bible, would you just pick it up? And We're going to stand for the reading of the Word. I happen to believe that God's Word is the greatest book that was ever written. This book has power to change your life. Would you turn to John chapter 3? And if you have a, a, a Bible on your phone, you can just pull it up right there on your app. John chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible and you want one after service at the altar, we want, we want to bless you with one. And uh, just come down to the altar right after service. We'll get, get one to you. We want to get the Word in the hands of every person in the world. So the Word is what changes our lives. John chapter 3, verse 26. John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, he is also baptizing people. They were talking about Jesus. And now everybody that was coming to us is going to him instead. Verse 27, John replies, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I'm not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. In other words, he was saying, I'm just the opening act. I, I, I'm just here to open up the concert. I'm not the main thing. He says, it is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Today, we're talking all about Jesus. Everybody say, we're all about Jesus. John the Baptist had a revelation that his life, his ministry, his love, his calling was all about Jesus. It was all about pointing people to Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. Before we do, I want us just to open our hearts with a confession of faith. And when we say this, let's just grab a hand with somebody next to you. I know it might seem a little cheesy if you haven't been to church in a while. You just need to grab hands with somebody. Maybe you're sitting by your girlfriend. You might like this. Or maybe you want her to be your girlfriend. Just grab hands. And I need, Daniel, would you grab hands with me too? We're going to say this confession. Say, I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. Because God is not finished with me yet. And my best days, turn to that person next to you and say, your best days are right in front of you. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Do you believe it, church? Well, God, we thank you. We thank you that we have victory. We thank you we have hope. We thank you we have increased prosperity, grace that empowers us. And Holy Spirit, we do. We ask you to just speak to us today. Lord, do what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, we thank you that today we're going to leave refreshed, encouraged, challenged, renewed, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do and be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Give your neighbor a high five, a hug. Tell them they're looking good. They're in the right place. Thank you, choir, worship team, the band. How many appreciate the worship at Victory? I love the worship that we give to God at Victory. I want to remind you, too, this tomorrow, this Monday, is the Dream Center Golf Tournament. If you love to play golf or you don't, but you just want to support Dream Center, come out to the golf tournament. It's tomorrow at noon at the Tulsa Golf Club, Tulsa Country Golf Club. So it's going to be a great time. And then also last night, we broke ground on the Victor Bible College housing unit and put the shovels in the ground. They've already been laying the, the, the uh, foundation for it. And as Pastor Bruce said, we're still believing for the uh, 
finishing amount for that. I believe we've got about 750000 left to complete it, but we had enough to start breaking ground. So it was our step of faith. And uh, how many of y'all will believe that we'll be able to finish that by the end of the year? That's what I'm believing for. Well, I think about this scripture that John said, I must decrease, he must increase. I must become less, Jesus must become greater. For me, this scripture came alive whenever I was in college. I was looking for a job my freshman year, and I had this glorious expectation that I was going to work an awesome job that was going to pay me really good, and that I was going to have a great title and be really, you know, just a strong leader. The only job that was available was the job of a janitor. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but for me, I just had a different expectation. Have you ever found yourself in a season doing something you didn't expect you would be doing that maybe wasn't as, it was a little bit more, it was, it was a little more humbling than what you expected to be doing. For me, that, that was it. For those two years, I was cleaning up people's trash. I would mop the baseball stadium cement floors, and I'd go and set up tables for different events. And they only gave me about 20 to 25 hours a week. I was, I was making $5.25 an hour. Pretty sure that was minimum wage. I don't know. But my checks weren't that big. It wasn't a glorious season for me in that moment. I remember reading the Bible, John chapter 3, and, and when I would be out there in the stadium, oftentimes there was few of us in there, and some would leave to go and work on another project. And I would find myself all alone in the stadium, and I remember thinking about that scripture, he must increase, I must decrease. And, and I was a songwriter. I had tried out for the worship team at ORU. I didn't make the band. I didn't even make the choir. I don't know how bad you have to be to not make the choir. But if you've been there, you're in good company, us together. And uh, <laughs> I remember just singing to God. I just kept singing that scripture. I must decrease, you must increase. Lord, I want more of you. And I'd just be singing in the stadium to the chairs and uh, to the, the coyotes that would be howling along with me because my voice was cracking and they were enjoying it, I guess. And I remember that season. It was, it was a good, broken time. And you know, Jesus wants us to be broken before him. It's healthy to be broken. It's healthy to be in a place of humility before God, where you know, I'm nothing without Jesus. We should never get away from that broken mindset of, I'm nothing without Jesus. I can't do anything without Christ Jesus, Christ alone. And so I, during that time, I recorded that song on, on a CD and I tried out the following years at ORU for the worship team, and finally my junior year, I gave them the CD I'd recorded that song on, and they said, hey, we like this song, we're making an album this year at ORU, we'd like to put your song on the album with Daryl Evans and Carrie Job." and I was thinking, this is awesome, I'm finally increasing, I've been decreasing all these years, I'm, now God's let me increase, you know, and I was getting excited, I was like, finally, my big break, I'm going to have a title, I'm going to be a worship leader, and they said, we want you to lead this song. So I led the song in chapel, and they said, hey, that went really good. We're for sure going to put it on the album. Here's the only catch. We're doing your song, but we want somebody else to lead it. <laughs> they said, your voice is just, it's, it's, to put it nicely, it's still developing. And your friend Brad, who lives, Brad lived on the same floor as me. They said, Brad just has a better voice than you. We want Brad to sing your song on the album next to Daryl Evans and Carrie Job. And they said, now... We do have a spot for you. So that night when we recorded the album live at the Maybe Center, the, the spot they put for me was on the fifth row of the choir stands at the very back side corner. And so I'm watching Brad sing my song, and I'm thinking, he must decrease, I must increase. I was imagining what I might do on the stage that night. 
And God said, Paul, listen to the irony of the song and the attitude of your heart. The words are about you decreasing and him increasing, and yet here you are wanting the credit. And I don't know if you've ever been there before where somebody forgot to give you credit. Or they forgot to mention your name. Maybe you've done a lot of work and, and you felt like you were ignored or, or maybe even invisible or maybe rejected or demoted when you could have been promoted. And in those moments, in those seasons, I think all of us need to go through those seasons because it shows us what our life is really all about. See, all of us are all about something. The question is, are you all about Jesus? Are you all about yourself? Are you all about the latest fad? Are you all about sports? And a good place to look at maybe where, what, what you're all about is your Instagram profile. Or maybe your Facebook or Twitter. Do all the pictures have pictures of maybe you? Is it all selfies? And I'm not against selfies, especially when you're single. You need to take some selfies to make sure that you're getting yourself out there to get married or whatever. <laughs> but... Do all the pictures show a theme? Is it, is it all about you or is it all about your girlfriend? Is it all about your boyfriend? Is it all about your food, the burger you ate, the, the sushi, the cheesesteak, the, 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 uh, the cheesecake, the, the, the chicken? You know, people have pictures on their profile. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about where it's like, man, this person is all about food. They are a foodie. Or, or it's all about football. They got pictures of all the latest football games, sports, or pictures about their girlfriend. or pic And I think about a man in the Bible who tried to find his life, his fulfillment, his identity, his source, his satisfaction in anything and everything that he could try to taste or experience. And, and his name was Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible that, that ever lived, they said. And he said, I tried everything. I tried entertainment. If Solomon had an Instagram profile, we would see pictures of food. We'd see pictures of the education that he tried to obtain, the, the intelligence and going through all kinds of universities. We'd see pictures of books that he would be reading. We'd see pictures of all the women because Solomon had 700 wives. So just imagine 700 girlfriends on your Instagram feed. I mean, this guy was trying to find fulfillment in anything and everything. And finally, he gets to the end of the book and he says, everything's meaningless. Everything is vanity. He said, I can't find my fulfillment in marriage. I can't find my fulfillment in education. I've got stacks on stacks of money. I I've got all kinds of education. I've been all about everything. I've been all about this, all about that. And I've realized this, that none of those things really matter. See, Solomon and John the Baptist had one thing in common. They figured out what life was all about. John the Baptist figured it out way earlier than Solomon. But Solomon, over time, he finally came to this conclusion. If, if you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Yes! We get loud when we open up the word. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Solomon said, here's the whole story. Here's what life is all about. The final conclusion for what life is all about. He says, fear God and obey His commands. For this is everyone's duty. Some versions say this is man's all. In other words, this is what life is all about. And you say, well, is he telling us to be afraid of God, to fear God, that we're supposed to be afraid of him? No, what he's saying is be captivated by God. Be in awe, A-W-E, to, to be captured by the presence of God, to be so enamored by how great God is. And, and here's the awesome thing. God reveals who He is. We don't have to just think, you know, well, because we don't know what God looks like. 
So, so where do we go to experience God? God reveals who he is and what he's like through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and when we say we're all about Jesus, what we're saying is we're all about God. That our lives are all about him. That this church is really all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about Pastor Sharon or our, our Pastor Billy Joe. It's not about Perry Stone. It's not about T.D. Jakes in the house. It's not about the songs we're singing or the band that's on stage or who's leading the songs. It's all about Jesus. And sometimes I think we, we say that, but we don't actually mean it or live it. Jesus says, I don't want just a song. I don't just want lip service. He told the Pharisees, he says, you guys are great at lip service, but your hearts are far from me. And so he, he starts preaching this sermon in Matthew chapter 6 to, to his disciples. Matthew 6, verse 19, he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal and moths do not destroy. Things don't rust away. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. Your heart is a good indicator of what you're all about. It's a good indicator of what you really worship, who you really worship. Is it stuff? Is it money? Money is okay. Football is okay. Having a job is okay. Getting married, it's great. Having children, it's great. But what are you all about? Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you'll wear or what you're going to do tomorrow. Don't worry about all of this stuff. He says in verse 32 that these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Jesus was talking to his church that day. He says people who don't believe in God, they're constantly thinking about. See, what you're all about is going to be all up in your thoughts. They're worried about how they're going to get by at the end of the month. They're worried about what they're going to wear. They're worried about uh, uh, this and that. And he says this dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But seek first, Matthew 6, 33. The kingdom of God. In other words, seek Jesus first and everything else will fall into place. Everything else will, will start to make sense. The joy, the peace, the rest. Imagine if you were John the Baptist. And, and your disciples, you've been doing these church services. You've been preaching your heart out. You've been baptizing people. Just building the ministry that God had called you to build. And all of a sudden, the people that you've been pouring into and discipling and mentoring, they start going across the street. For John, it was across the river. They, they go across the river and they start going to this new church service. They start asking this new preacher to tell them about life, to baptize them. And, and John's few disciples that are left, they say, John, don't you see what's happening? You are losing. This is not hashtag winning. This is hashtag losing right now, John. Y your ministry is, is falling apart. And this guy's stealing all your members. This guy's taking all the people that you've been ministering to. They're all going to him now. John, we've got to do something. We've got to start a vicious rumor. We've got to get the church closer so we can steal the members. We've got to do all these things. And John, we've got to compete. We've got to work harder. We can't let him. And John says, no, 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 you don't get it. My ministry is not my ministry. My life is not my life. Everything I have came from God anyways. And everything that I'm about is about pointing people back to Jesus. He said, he's got to get better. He's got to increase. He's got to get greater and greater. And I'm just going to fade out because I was just the opening act to begin with. See, John had a revelation of what his life was all about. Why he was created. Him and Solomon both understood, why am I created? 
all of us at some point in our lives are going to introspectively look, even if you're the least bit introspective, and ask that question, why am I here? Why are we here? Why was I created? What was I created for? Was it to make money? Was it to build a big ministry? Was it to make my name famous so that people remember me when I'm gone? Why am I here? And John answered that question early. Solomon answered it a little bit later after trying everything, after getting famous. And he realized, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to worship God. We were created to worship. And you say, okay, well, if we're created to worship, does that mean we're just going to sing songs the rest of our lives and in eternity it's just going to be a bunch of singing songs? No, worship is more than a song. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, let everything you do, whether it's eating, drinking, living your life, let it be to the glory of God. In other words, let your life be one big worship service. The way you treat your spouse, the way that you treat your body, when you exercise, when you go to work, how you do things with excellence, how you respond to people who mistreat you, how you treat your supervisor, how you treat your children, how you treat your parents, the way that you talk to people that you don't know, the way that you come to church and, and in everything that you do, that it would be one big act of worship for the glory of God. I used to think I had to be singing all the time in order to be worshiping. So I would sign our band up because I had a, a Christian band for a, a few years. We made a couple albums. Didn't go very far, but we tried our best. But I remember signing our band up for these long nights of worship. We would go and do these, you know, 48-hour worship nights. Because I was, in my mind, I was thinking, you know, that's the only way to worship is to sing songs, to be in a church service. That's where you worship. That's the only time worship happens. So our band, you know, they were like, dude, why are you signing us up for all these gigs where we just, you know, are here for eight hours and, and we keep, you know, and I'd say, dude, this is, this is how we worship. And I remember this one guy, and here's the thing, my motives were wrong. They were wrong. And how you worship is just as important as if you worship. Your motives are so important in the matter. But for me, this one time, this guy, he told me, he said, listen, we're going to have this big crowd. You guys are going to lead worship for hours upon hours upon hours. And, 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 and this crowd's going to be there. I'm putting posters up. We show up to the gig, the event. Nobody came. And the guy walks into the room and he says, hey, I forgot to put up posters. He was like, nobody's coming tonight. He's like, you guys are going to worship for an audience of one, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like, woo, awesome. My band was like, peace. No, half the band stayed. The other half of the band left. <laughs> we ended up forming a new band after that gig. You find out where your heart's at when you're playing for an audience of one. And I think about how God wants us to live our lives for an audience of one. He wants us to live our lives to worship an audience of one, that it's about him. I remember that night, we just kept worshiping, and the sound man fell asleep. The guy who was putting on the event, he left. And I just, I remember God saying, Paul, would you live your life to just worship me when no one's watching? Because worship is more than a song. It's your motives. It's your attitude. It's your thoughts. It's your purity. It's the way you treat people. It's everything we do is to bring glory to God. And so I want to invite the band up because today I'm, I'm very short sermon. I want to bring us back into a place of worship. Why do we worship Jesus? Number one, we worship Jesus because he is our savior. He is our savior. Romans chapter five tells us that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. While we were still sinners, he died for us to give us salvation 
that his life provided the sacrifice for our sins. In the Old Testament, they had to bring goats and animal sacrifices in order to pay for their sins. When the Roman Catholic Church started in the early uh, A.D. years, it was all about penance. You had to pay money in order for your sins to be forgiven. But Jesus, he does this. He takes a cross down the street called Via Della Rosa, and he goes all the way up to the hill of Calvary, Mount Golgotha, and he says, this is it. No more animal sacrifices. No more penance. Right here, once and for all, the sacrifice for your sins. Jesus paid the price. And when he got off the cross, he went in the tomb, and he stripped Satan of all power, and he rose from the grave in three days. Jesus is our Savior. Life is not about you. I'm sorry, it's not about me. Church, it's not about me. Whether I'm preaching, or Perry Stone's preaching, or my mom's preaching, or whoever's up here, it's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We put his name up on the screen this weekend so you could just remember everything is all about Jesus that we do. It's all about Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Savior. Acts 4, 12 says that salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. Number two, we are all about Jesus because he has the name that's above all names. His name is above all names. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5, if you have a Bible, just flip there with me. We'll put it up on the screen. Philippians 2, I, I got to read this because it's hard to memorize seven verses in a row. <laughs> Philippians 2, verse 5 says, Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant. You know, you never graduate from the role of a servant. When you get to heaven... God doesn't say, well done, thou good and faithful CEO. Well done, thou good and faithful lead pastor. Well done, thou good and faithful worship leader. Well done, thou good and faithful elder, deacon, head usher. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I remember that night watching that guy lead my song, and God said, Paul, you never graduate from serving. You never graduate from serving. Somebody else gets the credit for what you did. Don't throw a fight. Don't try to compete to make sure that you get credit. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. He says Jesus took on this humble position of a slave, a servant. And he was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father see we serve a God whose name is above the name of cancer whose name is above the name of leukemia whose name is above the name of divorce whose name is above the name of ISIS and radical Islam whose name is above Muhammad whose name is above Hare Krishna whose name is above whatever problem every bankruptcy every debt whose name is above whatever you're walking through when Ashley and I first moved into our house just a little over a year ago we were looking for furniture, and, and, and the people at the Mathis Brothers store, they said, you know, there's a focal point in every room. Every room has a focal point. By default, usually the living room focal point is the TV. In other rooms, it, it could be a window to look outside. 
Other rooms, it might be a big art piece, but everything kind of points to the focal point. In some rooms, it, some people's rooms in Oklahoma, it might be a big elk head with a 14-point antlers. Come on, hunters in Oklahoma. But every room has a focal point, focal point. And I couldn't help but think about it in, in my mind. What's the focal point in my life? What's the focal point? What is my life pointing to? Is it pointing to a job? Is, it, is the focal point of my life fear? Does fear dominate every area of my life? Does fear dominate my finances, my relationships? Does fear dominate uh, my future, my present? Does, what's the focal point? Is the focal point for you, is it, is, it, is it a spouse? Is it a kid? Is it a girlfriend, a boyfriend? Is it, is it school? Is it money? Is it a job? What's the focal point? Paul says, let your focal point be the name that's above every name. Because at that name, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. We are all about Jesus because his name is above every name. And number three, we are all about Jesus because he is our source. He is our source. 1 Timothy 3.16 says that Jesus is the image of God. That God came in the flesh through his son Jesus Christ. And that when Jesus came, he represented all that God is. So Jesus represents that God is Jehovah Jireh. Jesus represents that he is Jehovah Nisi. That he is Jehovah Shama. Jehovah Imkadesh. Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Sidkenu. Jesus is Jehovah Shama. My healer, my provider, my protector, my deliverer, my guide, my shepherd, my father, my savior, my friend. Jesus is my source. He's my source of provision. He's my source of healing. He's my source of identity. Jesus is my source in whatever I'm facing. This last week, my Ashley, my, my Ashley, my wife, my baby Ashley, my wife, she was driving down the road, and out came a car and just hit the front of her car, totaled the front of her car, totaled the other person's car. I, I got, her sister-in-law came in the room and said, Paul, she'd gotten the call from somebody else's phone. Ashley's been in an accident. The first thing that we said was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The first thing that Ashley said when the car hit her was, Jesus, 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 Jesus. She stepped out of that car, her and my son Liam, eight months old, with barely even a scratch on their neck. Jesus intervened. My wife is alive. My son is alive. They're not in the hospital. I've been praying for my friend Orly Andrew. Had tubes in his chest when he was born. Today, the tubes are coming out. He's healed. He's coming out of the hospital in just a few I believe by today. But I think about in crisis and storms, when you're walking through a difficulty, what is the word that comes out of your mouth? Is it, oh, what are we going to do? This is what the doctor said. I don't know what to do. The teachers are saying this. I don't know what to do. Our marriage is falling apart. What's coming out of your mouth in the middle of a storm? Let it be the name that's above every name that at that name, demons tremble. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you're watching the news and you see what's going on and you start to get afraid and you start to think about what might happen to your family, what might happen at your job and you don't know what's going to happen, say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. It's the name above presidents. It's the name above governments. It's the name above kings. It's the name above anything that could try to come against you. The name. What's his name? What's his name, church? What are we all about? We're about Jesus. We're about Jesus. In the last service, my uncle, he was sitting on the second row, lifting his hands, worshiping God. Just a year and three months ago, he was walking out of the Walmart right here on 81st and Lewis, and a car drove 
40 miles an hour and ran him over in the parking lot while he was walking out. The IMSA pulled up on the scene and pronounced him dead on the spot. He got to the hospital. Immediately when it happened, our family started getting text messages, phone calls. First thing we said was, Jesus, 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 Jesus. When you don't know what to say, all you need to say is Jesus, 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 Jesus. We started praying in the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. There's freedom from addictions in the name of Jesus. There's freedom from generational curses in the name of Jesus. There's protection over your children in the name of Jesus. There's protection over your parents. There's healing in your marriage in the name of Jesus. There's healing in your body in the name of Jesus. There's resurrection power in the name. I don't know if you get it. Jesus literally is everything we need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything you need. David started breathing again uncle david they said even if he does live through this he'll be a vegetable he'll never be able to think right he'll never be able to walk he started talking they said well we know he's talking but he'll, he'll be in a wheelchair his whole life he started walking with a cane well we know he's walking with the cane but he's going to be on a cane the rest of his life this sunday and every sunday for the last six months he's been walking in with no cane lifting his hands worshiping with a sound mind he understands what he's doing he speaks normal he's he's i'm telling you it's jesus i want you to stand on your feet as we end service right here right now with a time of worship i don't know what you're walking through i don't know what what, what the devil's tried to throw against you to get your focal point on something else but today it's time to get the focal point back on jesus off the problem off yourself, off your own success, and point the glory back to Jesus. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley, Jesus is here today. And God doesn't command us to worship Him because He's some narcissistic God. No, He commands us to worship Him because He knows when we worship Him, it's for our benefit. It helps us to get our eyes off the problem. It reminds us that He's still on the throne. And whatever we adore, whatever we show attention to, is what we, it's what we enjoy. And God says, I know that anything you could show attention to in this world is going to leave you somewhat empty. So let me ask for your attention on me, God says, because I will not leave you empty. I'll fill every empty bucket in your life. When we make our lives about Jesus, everything falls into place. All across this room with heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to take the next five to ten minutes to worship Jesus. And maybe... The devil's been trying to steal your praise, steal your worship. Maybe you need to get your mind renewed, get your heart renewed back on God's word, back on Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your healer, your protector, your provider. Maybe it's been about finances. Maybe it's been about unemployment. Maybe it's been about tuition. Maybe it's been about relationships or health. But today, I want to invite you to just enjoy this presence with God. That your lives would be an act of worship. How would Jesus respond? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? That Jesus dominates our thoughts. That Jesus dominates our responses. That, that we're shifting the focal point back towards Jesus and off of us. 
right here in this moment, if you want to step out from your seat, if things aren't right, maybe between you and God, or maybe you've had fear that's been trying to dominate you, just step out from your seat. Just bring it to the altar. If there's something that's not surrendered, just bring it to the altar. This is a safe altar. This is not an embarrassing altar. This is for believers or non-believers, but you know I've got to get my focal point back on Jesus. We're just going to worship God right here, right now. You can step out from your seat. I'm just going to sit down on the piano. We're just going to shift our eyes on Jesus. That's it. Just sing worship to him right here, right now. Just say his name as we're worshiping him. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, sing Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. I said, if you need to step out from your seat and come down to the altar, to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, say his name. Jesus, say his name. No other name. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.
never forget about 10 years ago I was on a missions trip in Dominican Republic and we were walking along this cliff right by the water and there was rocks at the bottom and I had somehow gotten separated from our team I was with one of our leaders Jill Stafford and another another missionary and all of a sudden these two criminals ran up behind us and grabbed us and turned us around they said give us your money we're going to kill you Give us your money right now. No one was within a mile from us. They were ready to push us off the cliff. In my backpack, I was carrying all the team's passports. And they said, give us your backpack. We've got a gun. We're going to kill you. And immediately, I start trying to defend Jill. I start trying to fight. And, and the guys start trying punching me. And they're punching the other guy. And they start trying to throw us off the cliff. And Jill grabs my back and she's holding on to this tree right on the edge of the cliff as they're trying to throw me off the cliff and it's I mean it's about a 50 foot drop there and she screams at the top of her lungs Jesus and when she screamed Jesus in the middle of that fight these two guys eyes got so big and they looked at each other and they started pointing at us but they weren't pointing at us they were pointing at something behind us and and it was something bigger than us it was something greater than us and the two guys they took off running they ran away and I, I looked at our team I said did you see that I said what did they see and Jill said I don't know but when I said Jesus their eyes got big they took off running. Why? Because it's the name that demons tremble at. It's the name that cancer has to flee. It's the name that ISIS has to flee. It's the name that brings the blood protection around your family, around this church, around this school, around your ministry, around your future. It's the name above every name. We gather under no other name but Jesus, always, only Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. 